This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. We're excited. I'm, I'm excited about teaching with my wife today. Hey. This is kind of like cool stuff. Um, this is week four of our series, The Power of I Am. How many of you uh, have been learning? Has this been helpful to yes. you the last several weeks? I know I've been getting a lot of feedback about that. We've been, uh, we've been teaching uh, this series based upon the book that, that so many of you have been getting, The Power of I Am, uh, Joel Osteen's uh, latest book. One of his, I, I believe it's one of his best books because it really talks about biblical truths and biblical principles that are really life-changing. So if you don't have the book, we're not, we haven't, we, we're not teaching the book. We're just taking a few principles out of it, the foundational principles, and, and been teaching that over the last several weeks. In fact, today we're, we just decided to do it a little bit differently. We wanted to be a little bit more relational uh, in this last, uh, this last teaching of this series. If you have not been here the last several weeks, we gave a lot of Bible about the principles uh, that, 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 we're, that we've been teaching. You say, let me go ahead and start this way. The, the principle of this book uh, is basically this. The point of what uh, Joe Osteen talks in the book is whatever follows the I am will eventually find you. Whatever follows the I am will eventually find you. So whatever follows those two words, I am, is, is going to determine the kind of life that you have. Uh, in other words, if, you, if you're not really connecting, in other words, if you're always saying, I'm so stupid, then stupid's looking right. for you. If you're always saying, I'm so ugly, then ugly is looking Good. for you. Now, now, that may be humorous, but a lot of us talk like that. Oh, I'm getting so old. Well, wrinkles are looking for you. Uh, it's, a, it's a biblical principle. People are saying, well, I'm so unlucky, I'm so clumsy, I'm That's broke, true. I'm unqualified. But what if you took God's words, Good. what God has said a, about you, and you begin to say, I am blessed. Awesome. Then blessings are going to start looking for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm strong. Well, guess what? Strength is going to start looking for you because, because what yes. follows the I am, hear it, is what you're literally giving permission yeah. or you're inviting into your Life, And that's what we've been talking about the last three weeks. Most people, church-going people, do not realize the power of your words. And we've been showing you throughout the Bible just some real, uh, just some shocking uh, understanding that, that what we say, that what comes out of our mouth is life and death. And so we did that over the last several weeks, talked about the importance of words. We, we talked about the importance of putting God's words in our mouth. Last week, we went real practical, and we talked about tongue control, right? We're t- we talked about practical steps to, to help you to, to, to choose the right words yeah. to come out of your mouth. Today, I'm excited about this because we're going to talk about speaking uh, words into that chaos, speaking into that, that difficulty, speaking into those challenges and those failures, because everybody here at all of our campuses, we're all up against something. And if you're not facing something today, if you're breathing, something's coming. And, and we really want to talk about the power of putting God's words in your mouth and then speaking them into that 
that chaos, that difficulty. And so we're going to talk about these three things, uh, how God speaks into chaos. We're going to talk about how Jesus speaks into chaos. And then we're going to talk about believers, us, we speak in, or we're supposed to speak into chaos. Now, now my wife is joining with me. And uh, the reason why we wanted to do this is because we wanted to keep this, this, this weekend really, really practical, real relational. We don't really want to come across real preachy to you because this subject matter is a subject matter that changed our life so many years ago, over 20 years ago. We were raised in church, went to church all of our life, but it wasn't until you know 20 plus years ago that we begin to understand the truth that we're teaching and have been teaching the last several weeks. This is when the Bible really started working for us. So I didn't have to drag my wife and say, hey, you need to come help me teach. Uh, We're passionate, and you'll see in in a moment as we get into this, we're very passionate about what we're getting ready to talk about because it has transformed our life. So my wife is joining with me. Uh, especially last week as I exposed her to the church family about her driving <laughs> techniques. So if she wants to try to defend herself and to, uh. and to e- explain why she rear-ended me on the highway, uh, go at it. I love about. you, baby. Thanks for I love you too. helping me today. You know, studying together has been a test of our marriage. Yes, um, When has. you speak together... Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like tests your... We had to get saved this week, it, it, we all over again, yeah. A few times, because um, we both have way different styles yes. of how we prepare for things. You know, he's like spends intense on, times in his office a certain way, and I do things a certain way. And so then we come together, yeah. It, anyway, we're still married, we still love each other, and it's a good thing, right? Oh, I thought you were going to talk, talk about your driving. For okay. those that don't know, you got to get the podcast of last week and Why? all the, our location. Why for that? Because it is uneventful. You got to hear it. It's just absolutely I awesome. I ran into you. Yeah, she did. That's she ran it. into me. Did you Rear-ended me? me. I did. Whiplash. No. Almost went through the front windshield. I it was horrible. You. Anyhow. All right. Well, let's get back into this, okay? <laughs> I thought we were talking about my. Running into you. Well, no, they, okay. they can get the podcast. Okay. They can hear my Let's version. Let's talk about chaos okay. in your life. And this is what spurred the whole message. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, a lot of times in our lives, we find ourselves in the middle of chaotic situations. And, you know, just like uh, Randy was saying, this message about our words and, and uh, has totally transformed us and has really made our life uh, what it is today. And when we realize that we could actually use words to direct our life out of the pit that we were in, out of the financial situation we're in, out of the frustrated life we were in, that we could actually use God's word to, to uh, direct our life out of that and lead us into the life he has for us, that's a powerful thing. And that's a good thing. And so we're excited today about able to um, share some of that today. But first of all, the first one is God speaks into chaos. God speaks into chaos. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible starts the whole story the whole Bible off with this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Formless and empty right there. It means that it was confused. It was confusion. It was a wasteland and it was chaos. So here's God looking at this chaotic place, this place of confusion, this place of chaos. It says darkness was over the surface of the deep. The spirit of God was hovering over the water. 
But I love what happens here in the middle of this chaos. God didn't look at the chaotic situation that the world was in. He didn't get stressed out about it. He didn't call the angels over and say, look, what this me- look at the mess this place is. Man, what are we going to do about it? I don't even know. It's just so messed up. No, God started looking into that place of chaos, and he started speaking into it. He didn't talk about the chaos. He started speaking into the chaos. And I love that. It goes on in verse number three. It says, and God said, let there be, and you'll, if you read it, you would see that he said, let there be light, let there be animals, let there be sun, let there be moon. God started talking and speaking what he wanted to see. He didn't talk about what already was happening. He talked about what he wanted to see. He started speaking life into the chaos. And I love that. What God said then is what God saw. In fact, the very last verse of chapter 1, that the Bible says that God saw, God saw everything that he, everything that he said. said. Good. So, so the, 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 the point here is that God looked into that, into that uh, chaos, into that emptiness, and he began to create by speaking his words. He, he formed what was formless. He filled what was empty. He brought order to so the chaos. He saw everything that he said. When God created yes. what he created, he did it by speaking words. That's awesome. We know that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 3, it says, By trusting or by faith we understand that the universe was created. Mm-hmm. Through a spoken word of God. This universe, the galaxies, the the planet that we live on was created by the spoken word of God. The spoken word of God created something right in the middle of chaos. Created something really powerful. In Isaiah 55 verse number 10, talking about how the word of God works and the power in it. It says, rain and snow come down from the sky. They don't go back again until they water the earth. They make it sprout and grow so that it produces seed for farmers and food for people to eat. God says, my word, which comes from my mouth, is like the rain and snow. It will not come back to me without results. I love that. It won't come back to me without results. It will accomplish whatever I want and achieve whatever I send it to do. I love that. He says, when my word goes forth out of my mouth, there's purpose When my word comes out of my my mouth, there's power to create. When my word comes out of my mouth, it doesn't come back void of power. It accomplishes something. So just like the snow and the rain produces, God's word produces. I like that. So so God created by the spoken word. He dealt with the chaos by his words because here's the point. His words contain power. His words are powerful. Just like the rain produces God's word produces. That, that should really get you excited, especially yeah. uh, about having a Bible. Because in every Bible that I have, and I have many of them, and I've used many of them, and I always am working about three or four at a time, and then I have Bibles on all my technology. In the beginning of my Bible, I always write this in the very, in the very few, for, first few pages just to remind me about the power of God's word. Here's what I say. God's word is God's voice. God's word is God's voice. Because some of you are saying, yeah, I understand God's words are powerful, but man, I would like to hear his voice. Well, you can hear his voice as much as you want to hear his voice. 
We, say, we have people say that all the time. Man, I wish I could hear God's voice like you hear God's voice. You can. You can buy you one of these. Yeah. And you can hear God's voice all... Anytime you want. Come on, all... That, I, we're just trying to remind you when God, listen, when God dealt with chaos in his life, God spoke his words yeah. into the chaos. Why? Because his words contain the power. So you need to get you one of these because this is God's powerful words. And the so same true. way the rain produces is the same way God's word's going to produce in our life. So true. And when you speak the word of God, something powerful happens. So not only does God speak into chaos, but Jesus spoke into chaos. If you were to read through the gospels uh, and saw Jesus's life all throughout Jesus's life, Jesus would declare things into chaotic, hopeless, defeated situations. We see a time when Jesus uh, gathered his disciples and they just had this big healing crusade and ministry time and they were tired and Jesus said, Hey, let's cross the sea. Let's go to the other side. So all his disciples got into the boat. Jesus said, You know, you guys know the way there. I'm going to go down and take a nap. So he went down to take a nap. But in the middle of the the sea, the Bible says that a storm arose. And it says it was of hurricane proportions, meaning it wasn't just a little bit of wind and a little bit of rain. But it was like a full-on major storm. So bad that the wind was blowing, the, the boat was tipping, the disciples were freaking out, they were really, really afraid. They really thought that they were going to die. They really thought something tragic was going to happen. It wasn't ceasing. It wasn't stopping. They were so scared. And finally somebody said, man, we should probably go wake Jesus up because we're all getting ready to drown here. Bible says they went down to wake up Jesus and Jesus came up there and he's like looking at him like, well, you guys are crazy. And he's, The Bible says that he didn't just talk about the storm and say, yeah, you guys are right. We're about to drown here. I'd be freaking out too. Man, you should have woke me up sooner. No, the Bible says he looked at the storm and he just spoke simple words, but full of power and authority. And those words were peace, be still. And the Bible says that the wind and the waves stopped. It was totally calm. And then he looked to his disciples and was like, you guys should have done this. Why'd you wake me up to take care of an issue that you should have spoken into? Yourself. Yeah, I mean, in the context of that story, you'll see that he not only rebukes the storm, but then he he rebukes the disciples for waking him up when they should have been speaking into the chaos. I love that. He also spoke to to quite a few dead situations. You know, he had a friend named Lazarus that the Bible says was dead for four days. And when he showed back up in town, he went to the grave of his friend Lazarus. When everybody else was crying, saying it's too late, no life can come now, you should have came when he was alive so you could heal him. Jesus said, death has no power over me. I can speak into dead situations and bring him back to life. And all he did was say, Lazarus, come forth. There's other situations where he spoke to little girls to come back to life and and people's sons to come back to life. Jesus spoke to sicknesses. He spoke to ears to, to hear. He spoke to eyes to see. He looked at tragic situations and brought restoration into them. You know, the Bible also tells a story how Jesus went into Peter's, uh, Peter's house, and Peter was living with his mother-in-law at the time. And he went into his mother-in-law's house, and they said, you know, she can't get up to serve us because she's sick. So Jesus says, well, let's go deal with that. And so he went over, and he grabbed her hand, and he commanded that fever to leave. And immediately, healing <laughs> came to her. And that's an he- amazing story. Think about it. Jesus will heal your mother-in-law? Come on, that's revelation. Some of you, that was worth combing your hair and coming to church. 
Now, the reason why he healed her, let's put it in context, is so that she could get in the kitchen and start cooking. Cook, cook him some breakfast, all right. <laughs> it's there in the Bible. You know, since we're talking about mother-in-laws. Yeah, since we're talking about I, uh, I, I found some stuff on mother it's, it's some jokes I've given before. I usually have blonde jokes, but too many people were quitting the church. And so I switched over to mother, mother-in-law jokes. But, but this is, I've said this one before, but I'm telling you, this is funny. I laugh every time I hear this. It's a man who went to his vet and said to the doctor, I need you to cut the tail of my dog off. His vet asked, now, why would you want me to do such a terrible thing to your dog? The man said to his vet, well, my mother-in-law is coming over tomorrow, and I want her to know that she's not welcome. And if she sees that dog wagging its tail, she may decide to stay longer. That's bad. <laughs> that's funny. That's I don't care bad. who you are. That is absolutely, that's, that's absolutely, did you hear about the peeping Tom mother-in-law joke? You won't hear this at any church. You have to come to celebration to hear this kind of stuff. The, yeah, there's peeping Tom mother-in-law. Last night, the local peeping Tom knocked on my mother-in-law's door and asked her to shut her blinds. <laughs> <laughs> that's, okay, that's awesome. Funny. That, one that is wonderful. Wow. That was good. Why do they call it peeping Tom? I don't know. Like, was Tom the first peeper? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like jaywalking, right? Jaywalking, like, was Jay the first one that... Crossed out of the crosswalk? I don't know. Can you figure know. that out for me? Send me an email. Seriously? But yeah, Jesus did heal Peter. That's a sign and a yes, wonder Jesus. to somebody here today. And by the way, I love my mother-in-law. She is absolutely awesome. If you're listening to this podcast, you are the greatest. All right. You better say that. Huh? <laughs> so Jesus spoke to a lot of things. and the, Yeah. Crisis situations. Chaotic situations. Uh, Jesus, I love this, that Jesus spoke to lying circumstances. And we give, have an example of this in uh, Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse number 12. It says, the, day is, the, next, the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus and his, a few of his disciples, it says, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. So here it wasn't fig season. But the tree in the distance had leaves on it. So really what the tree was saying, I have leaves, so I have figs, come eat. Well, when Jesus got to it, it didn't have figs. Tree was lying to him. It says, so Jesus said to the tree, may no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard him say it. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they passed by the fig tree They saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and he said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. So Jesus spoke into a lying circumstance, brought judgment to that lying circumstance, and that lying circumstance changed. Jesus goes on to say, have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, And does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Now we know when Jesus says, when you say to this mountain, he's not talking about, you know, half dome or this mountain, you know, that you can go climb. He's talking the mountains in your life. What kind of mountain do you have in your life that seems like you can't get past it? It's like in front of you. It seems like that's your, your chaotic situation in front of you. It could be 
you know, family situation. It could be a financial situation. Uh, it could be a, a physical situation. Jesus is saying here, you need to speak to, speak into that chaotic thing. And uh, you'll see that, man, it has to move. Just like I moved it, yeah. you can move it. That's absolutely powerful. So if you're tracking with us, Jesus speaks into the chaos. Yeah. He, 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 by his words, things begin to happen. Then he turns around and tells his disciples that you need to start speaking into yes. chaotic situations. That mountain, that problem, that situation. Not to just take anybody's words, but we're talking about taking God's, God's words word. and declaring them out of yes. your mouth. I love it because verse 23 shows you the, the components of faith. Notice it's got to be two places for faith to work in your life. First of all, it's got to be in your heart. You've got to believe it, and then you've got to speak it out of your mouth. The Bible says, have faith in God. One translation says, have the faith of God. So it's telling you how to do that. Get God's word in your heart. Believe it, and then declare it out of your mouth. Speak into those yes. situations. Yes. So Jesus did it. He said that we should do it. So God does it. Jesus speaks into chaos and we should speak into chaos. You know, over the last few weeks, we've been learning how powerful words are. You know, whatever comes after the I am, that's what's trying to find you. That's what's going to show up in your life. We've learned, been learning uh, that words are like, are like seeds, really. Yeah. They're, they're seeds that either can contain life or they can contain death. When I'm speaking them, I'm planting them. So I can either sow death into my life by my words or death into my situations by my words, or I can choose to sow life into my situation by my words. And when we plant them, they will grow. So I think we have to start on purpose. Instead of just letting whatever comes out of our mouth, instead of just letting whatever seed comes out, whatever uh, that just, you know, we just randomly speak out of our mouth, dictate our life. I think we have to on purpose, on purpose, make a decision that we're going to start sowing the right kind of seed into our chaos, the right kind of words, the right kind of power into our current situation. We need to start planting them on purpose, speaking God's word. We're not just talking about our own words. Speaking God's word is most powerful. In John chapter 6, verse number 63, Jesus says this. He says, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. That word life means the God kind of life or God life. It means an absolute fullness of life. So when I'm speaking God's word into a situation, I'm speaking God into a situation. I'm speaking life into that chaotic situation. I love that. Also important. The second Timothy 3.16 says that the scriptures, the Bible, are God-breathed. His words are God-breathed. The words in this Bible, all 66 books, you know, we call it a bag of seeds, but every word is God-breathed. The words in the Bible, hear this, they may look the same as other words, but listen to me, they are not the same. They are pregnant, full so of the life of of God. This book is living. Yeah. This book is breathing. Love Every it. time you read a word, it is God breathing on your life. Every time you speak God's word, it is releasing God's breath into that situation. So good. 
In Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 20, it says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Mm. He says, don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. So what he's saying here is my words are life. My words are health. Just like you were saying. The word is alive. And I think an important part of that verse is, is there life and health, not to everybody, Mm. but those who will find those who will pay attention. So this stuff doesn't happen automatically just because you show up for church on a Sunday. You got to be proactive. You have to make up your mind that you're going to go after God's words. You're going to get them in your heart. You're going to get them in your mouth and you're going to speak them into every situation of your life. So good. You know, uh, Jesus was sitting with his disciples in Luke chapter eight, and he was talking about telling them a story. And he was telling them a story about a farmer who was sowing some seed. And he said, this farmer went out and he sowed seed. Some of it fell on uh, the pathway and, you know, birds were able to come and eat it. And then some fell on the wayside and, you know, it grew for a little bit. And then the sun came out and it burned it up. And some grew this other place. And and the cares of of this life, you know, choked it out and it didn't grow very much either. And then some of the seed fell on good ground and it produced a harvest. The disciples were asking him, what does that mean? What does it mean, the seed, you're sowing seed and all that? Jesus told them, he said, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. When you sow the word of God's seed in the right soil, it will grow and it will produce a great harvest for you. In Acts chapter 19, 20, it says the word of the Lord grew. Now up on the screens, you can see the yellow writing. That's what it means in the Greek, those words. So it says the word of the Lord grew or it became greater. It becomes greater. It just doesn't stop with it grows. It says that it grew mightily. So the word of the Lord grew or became greater mightily with force and strength. So the word of God, when you sow it, grows with force and strength. It doesn't just grow like a typical seed and take its time and be so, so, so slow. I believe that that God empowers that seed to produce quickly in your life. It says, and then it prevails. It has strength to overcome or prove more powerful than any opposing force. So it reads like this. When you take the word of God and you speak it out of your mouth into your situation, it says the word of the Lord becomes greater. It grows with force and strength and it proves more powerful than any opposing force. So no matter the chaos going on in your life, no matter the the sickness in your body or the family dysfunction, it doesn't matter your financial situation. The word of God spoken out of your mouth grows with great force and proves more powerful than any other thing that comes against you. And that's why the word of God spoken will bring God's life and will produce change in your life. I I like that word prevail. Prevail. Because, Because that means if you'll take God's word and speak it, into that situation. Yeah. We're talking about chaos. We're talking about your difficulty, your struggle. If you'll speak that word into that yes. situation, that word will grow to the place that it prevails over that circumstance, over that situation, Once. over that True. financial lack, over that yes. sickness and disease, True. over that discouragement and depression. If you'll speak the yes. word of God, it will prevail. Awesome. I like that. That's why Job twenty two twenty eight says, you will also declare a thing, yep. and it will be established for you. That's a powerful, powerful word. If you'll declare a thing, declare. and it's being the God thing here in the yeah. context, it will be established for 
you. It will be established yes. for you. The psalmist said it like this in Psalms 107, verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord think so. No. It says, say so. You're, and, and I would encourage you, if you have not been here the last couple weeks, we wore the Bible out showing you how powerful it is to speak words, God's words, how important it is what's coming out of your mouth. Notice the psalmist says, let the redeemed of the Lord say yes. So you're supposed to say so. The Bible says to say so, to say I am redeemed. Some of you need to change your say so. Right. Are you, it says to say I'm redeemed. That word redeemed means to be set free, to be delivered, to be saved, to be accepted, Good. to be healed, to be restored, to be whole, to be protected. You need to say I'm protected. I'm set yes. free. I'm accepted. I'm Good. healed. I'm saved. Because a lot of our say so is I'm weak. Right. I'm no good for nothing. Nothing good ever happens mm-hmm. to me. I never win the lotto. I suck. I'm ugly. I'm fat. That's your say-so. Right. Come on. Some of you need to change your say-so. The Bible says the redeemed, we say so. We declare we're redeemed. We, re- we declare we're healed. That's yes. what we do. We see this all through the Bible. It's a Bible principle. Psalms 91, verse 2. Check out mm-hmm. what the psalmist says right here. He says, I will think... No, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in him, I will trust. Catch that. He said, I will say that God is my strength. When's the last time you said that? Yeah, but I don't feel strong. That's that's the reason why you need to say it. Notice the psalmist is saying, he's saying, God is my strength. Notice once he says it, what happens in the very next verse. It says, for he, God, will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Once he says God is my strength, listen, then God shows up as his strength. There's a connection between you saying and God doing. Let me say it this way. If you're bold enough to say it, God's bold enough and big enough to do it in your life. Come on, let's start saying it. Yes. Let's start, let's start, start declaring it. Amen. And you know what? The reason why I get so passionate about this again like we've seen in the beginning, is because this is what we started doing 20 plus years ago. We'd been in church all of our life, raised in church, and, yeah. and thank God for that upbringing and that heritage. But, 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 but it wasn't working for us, and it didn't start working until we started hearing these kinds of truths. And we'd begin to apply, you know, early on in our marriage, probably five, five years into our marriage, mm-hmm. we've been married, by the way, 32 years. Is that not a sign and a wonder? 32 years we've been married. Uh, we've been pastoring the church here for over 23 years. And man, uh, probably about, uh, about 25 years ago, mm-hmm. I would say, we really began, 26 years ago, we begin to hear the stuff that we're, we're sharing with you that we've been teaching the last several weeks, and it literally changed That's our true. lives. You see, church for us was just something you kind of did. It was kind of a religious thing. It just yeah. kind of looked good on your resume. You came in here. We loved God. We believed in God. But, but we were just, you know, we'd come, give them, give them our Sunday morning. For us, it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and sometimes all night prayer meeting on Friday night. But after that, you kind of went and lived your own life. I didn't know it was a lifestyle yeah. that you apply God into every aspect of your life, that God wanted you to be whole in every aspect, that it was God's idea that wanted you to prosper and succeed in life. And when we begin to hear these truths that we are teaching you and put them into practice, I'm telling you, listen, it changed our lives. We're doing what we we do today because of what we're teaching you 
today. And so I just thought maybe that if we could just maybe think about some of these areas, because for 25 plus years, we've been, we've been taking the words of God, taking, taking the, the, the Bible and putting it in our mouth and speaking it in situations. Because I know most of you, you look at us and you see us now, you know, 23 plus years and, you know, a church and thousands of people coming, but we didn't start this way. And, and I, I want to, I want to, uh, I, I want to, I believe there's some myths going on concerning your pastors. Uh, we struggled financially big time years and years ago. And we begin to, in that chaos, begin to do what we're teaching you. I know you look at us and you say, well, they've just always had it made. Man, we can remember the times. If we can be vulnerable with you, 25 plus years ago, man, we were getting cars repossessed. Mm-hmm. We ended up going bankrupt. Um, Man, we were on governmental assistance. I mean, we, we, we just, we, we had to have help or we wouldn't make it. I know when we got, we, we, we had our first child, yeah, when Nick. we had Nick, he's, he's 20, no, he's 30 now. Oof, he's, he's 30. Um, when we had yeah, him, you know, we talk about bringing him home to a trailer and you yeah. might think that's a mobile home, but it's not. It's a camping trailer. You know, it's one that you tow behind a car and we had it parked in somebody's yard. And, and you know, I know that... We all do the best we can with the knowledge that we have. But what's so awesome is you don't have to stay where you're at. You don't have to be stuck with your current knowledge that what's being taught today can so transform your life if you're willing to step out and do something new. And so when we started, you know, getting the, the, uh, the, the knowledge that, man, we can actually start taking the word and it'll work for us when we believe it in our heart and start speaking at our mouth... Yeah, I can remember laying in bed and hearing them repossess a van. I can, and hearing them drag it away. I can remember when, you know, we didn't have enough money to, you know, b- barely put food on, on, on the table. I remember, th- I remember those times. But I can truly say that the word of God now working in our life uh, has changed that situation. I no longer am there right. because the word of God works for you. Yeah, and we begin to understand that this is our bag of seed. Yes. And we begin to discover that the Bible says that God became poor so that you might become rich. Who would have ever thunk such a thing? That in Psalms 112, the Bible says, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says that he gives you the power to get wealth, to establish his covenant in the earth. That was stuff I didn't know. It's stuff we begin to learn, stuff we begin to declare and put in our mouths, and things begin to Good. change. I know so when true. we went back to Bible school, I was at the age of 30. Mm-hmm. We already had three kids. I was doing a newspaper route, trying to get through Bible school, just saying we, we really felt that that was what God wanted yeah. us to do. And we really didn't have any resources to make ends meet. We owed IRS lots of money. We went bankrupt in a business. It, it was just financially, we were a yeah. mess. But we began to put the word of God in our mouth. We were always tithers. Listen to me, tithers. We were always givers. Yes. And it still was not working until we started declaring out of our mouth because that's how faith is released. Yes. In fact, you'll find in the, in the Bible that when you give your tithe, you're supposed to speak over your mm-hmm. tithe. You're supposed to thank God for bringing you out of that sinful condition and that he's brought you into a good land, that you speak over your yes. time, that God has blessed me. And now I honor God with the first uh, uh, 10% of awesome. my increase. And I remember uh, we were making just very little money. I was doing the paper out. We were learning this stuff. We were speaking it. And I remember coming home and, and literally we didn't know if we were going to eat that night. 
we didn't have any money. We weren't going to get paid for a while. We didn't know if we were going to eat that night. And I could remember the, the tension of that moment, especially as a guy and being the provider. I, you know, I still had old mindsets. I didn't realize that God's my provider. So I was trying to flex my muscles and I was going to be the provider. And we begin to study and begin to hear and begin to declare. And I remember coming home and the tension being so thick because we've got babies. They've got to eat. Mm-hmm. i got a wife that needs to eat. I, I'm hungry. And we didn't know what was going to happen. And I remember at that moment, hear what I'm getting ready to say, because this was a life-changing experience for us. I remember in that apartment, we were making $22 a day. And I looked at my wife and I said, if my God has to send it back through the mouth of a fish, he'll do it again. I had made up my mind that we were going to trust God. And I walked out of that apartment because I knew I was going to cry and weep like a baby. And I walked down to the field that I used to walk on. Uh, In fact, it's the same field that God spoke to me about coming to the northwest side of Fresno, starting this church. And I began to walk and I said, God, you're my provider. My trust is in you. Out of that prayer time, I went to our mailbox. It hadn't been 20 minutes later after I'd made a declaration that if God has to send it to the mouth of a fish, he'll do it again. Now, typically what I would have said is I always said, we're losers, we're broke, we're going under, no food. I would have talked all the negativity, but, but I was learning and I was practicing and I was doing what the word teaches. Let the redeem of the Lord say So if God's got to do it like that again, I know he'll do it again because he's no respecter of person. I went to the mailbox that day. We needed a miracle that day. And I can sit here and tell you miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle financially that happened. But I needed a miracle that day. I opened the mailbox and in that mailbox had never happened like this before was a $500 cashier's check written to us from a, a person in San Luis Obispo that we have no idea even exist today. We still don't know who this person is, but we know that that money was good and we ate that night. (laughs) My God can send it to the mouth of a fish. Come on. This stuff works. It's true. And it continues to work that way. And it continues, it continues to, work. to work that Everything way. Everything that we've done, it works that way. And it's so not we... just a one-time situation. It's not just a one-time thing. Well, I'm going to speak the word one time. No, it's your lifestyle. It's like, I'm going to make a decision that we're going to do things God's way. Absolutely. And so we're going to get money God's way. We're going to live our life God's way. And the way God does things is by the word of God getting in your heart and coming out your mouth. And it's a forever thing. So it still works today because of the same thing. Absolutely. You speak it and God will work through your, your business. He'll work through your job. All of a sudden, surprise bonuses and increase yeah. will come. Not because your boss is just being nice to you, but the word Good. of God. Yes. Come on, somebody. The word of God is powerful and it works. So yes. we begin to do that in our financial area, in the chaos yeah. of our messed up finances. We can to begin to speak. You know, we begin to speak. We're out of debt. You'll never believe. This is a sign and wonder. We didn't even say this in the first service. And we're running out of time. You probably don't want to hear it, huh? <laughs> oh, you want to hear it? We owed like IRS, like, I don't know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. And we're speaking because we went upside down. And we were in a, we, when you owe IRS that much money, you're going to be in debt the rest of your life because <laughs> penalties on that every month, it just gets crazy, crazy. Like. Come on, I'm talking to somebody mm-hmm. who owes IRS this morning. <laughs> And we were speaking, we're debt-free, we're out of debt, speaking the Word of God. And I kid you not, they called us in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and called us and told us that that debt had been erased. Truth. This stuff 
works. So we would speak into the chaos. And then we did that with the physical condition, you know, with health and healing. Yeah, we always knew that it was God's will to heal, but we didn't know how to really activate his healing power in our life. You know, you know God is healer. You know he wants to heal you. But how do you activate that? How do you activate the healing power of God in your life? You do it the same way. It's finding the word of God that concerns healing, finding the word of God, putting it in your heart, and then speaking it out of your mouth. You know, up until the point that we learned that the word of God works, man, I feel like we were always positioning ourselves for the yearly cold that went around, yeah. for, the, for the yearly ear infection that went around, for, you know, just the things that go around every year. We'd make sure before that season came so we weren't caught off guard in the middle of the night, make sure the medicine cabinet was full of what we needed. And we'd prepare for that because that's what happens. That's life, right? Everybody's supposed to get sick sometimes, right? It's cold season, Well, we didn't know you didn't have to live that way. You didn't have to do it that way. That Jesus actually took stripes on his back for our healing. That he actually uh, put it uh, in the whole part of his redemptive plan was not only did he save you from, from sin, but he also saved you from sin, from sickness and disease. That you could walk healthy and could walk whole. And so we had to learn how to put that word in our heart and to speak it out of our mouth. Well, that's why the Bible says in Joel 3.10, let the weak say, I'm strong. See, see, the power is not saying what is. Saying what is 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 the reality. Uh, So we're not even saying that the power isn't denying what is. We're saying saying the power Mm -hmm. is denying the what is, what you're going through to stay in your life. Speak. The Bible says, let the weak say, not think, let them say, I'm strong. In other words, you're calling in what you're believing for, declaring God's word. The power is not denying, denying what is. The power is denying the right for it to stick around in your life. Are you hearing that? So good. And so I know with you. Yeah, so with me, when it came to a physical issue, you know, I had been battling a a physical issue that I believe was kind of a generational thing. You know, it's sometimes in certain families, there's generational things, it seems like, you know, your aunt had it, your grandma had it and all those things. And I was determined in my life, that's not going to be me. I'm not going to operate in that same, that same pattern. But the only thing that I knew would change that is for me to get the word of God. So I actually did make up. My own, you know, I found all the, it started with me finding all the verses I could on healing. And I wrote them all down. I put them on three by five cards and I would meditate them. What does that mean? I would read them over and over and put it in my heart because the Bible says that the word of God is medicine. So when I'm reading the word of God, it's actually life coming into me. It's wholeness coming into me. It's allowing the word of God to make the adjustments necessary in my physical body for me to experience his complete wholeness in my life. So I knew that if I could get the word of God in my heart and really focus on getting it out of my mouth, that I'd be sowing God's healing seed. And the healing seed, remember, goes and it conquers and it prevails over every situation. And it brings healing to your body and healing to your life. That's awesome. Works. So the myth, myth that, amen. So the myth that we have not struggled in the issues of health and healing, that, that's a myth we have. But you know what we did? We took God's word and we spoke it into that chaos. Mm-hmm. The myth that we've never struggled financially, it's a myth. We have struggled financially. But you know what we did in that chaos? We took God's word and we spoke it into that situation, into that chaos. So I know with our marriage, you know, we've yeah. been married 32 years. I know, I know it's, you probably think it's just been a romantic bliss, you know, for 32 years because she is married to an awesome guy. Oh, I was going to think the other way around. I was thinking but, I was... But, 
But we've had our ups and downs 32 years. You want to tell them? Do you want me to tell them? No, I don't. Please. Please, please don't. But it's just like, you know, we, in, two people, I, I, I think God's kind of comical in this, yeah. that he brings two people together and really your strengths and your weaknesses are like total opposites. Because together you complement one another, right? So, and usually the same thing that attracts you to that person is the same thing that drives you absolutely nutso after you're married to that person. Can we get an amen? Yeah. It's true. <laughs> They're friends. No. But I do know this, that even in the middle of marriage, when, you, when you're tempted through the, your trying times and your, your learning and your struggle times and you know, financial situations magnify things in your marriage, just different things. That it's easy to point the finger, it's easy to point blame, it's easy to talk about what is, it's easy to see the negative, but that doesn't change anything. That only brings things, makes things worse. I found that, you know, and he didn't even know that I was even speaking this over him, because sometimes it's not even a, a struggle between you two, it could just be, you, you know your spouse is struggling in life, and you don't know how to help them. Maybe they're dealing and battling their own issue and you as their spouse don't even know how to fix it. And so you think it's about you and it's really not about you. So instead of fighting that, I really felt like, you know, God had given me a couple scriptures just to pray. And I, and I would take Psalms chapter one, actually. And it, it's the verse that goes, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the path of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And it goes on to say these powerful things. Well, instead of just saying that, I would put Randy's name in there. And I'd say, God, I thank you that Randy is blessed because he doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Randy doesn't stand in the paths of sinners. Randy delights himself in the word of God. He has a passion for you. He hears your voice. I prayed those things over him when he didn't even know that I was praying them over him. But those things come to pass. Those things really work. So it's not like you have to go home and tell your wife, well, I'm going to speak the word over you and you're going to change. No, you can just do that without them even knowing it. And you'll see, man, God's hand just make things better. That's so awesome. Uh, because typically what wives will do, you're a jerk. You're so stupid. You don't amount to nothing. I can't believe I married you, right? Uh, what if you started speaking yeah. life-giving yeah. words? We're going to wrap this up and... Uh, and we've gone a little bit longer than normal today because we really wanted to make sure that we weren't preachy to you. We want you to get this. This, yeah. this, this stuff really does work. And I know the other myth, and this is going to help some people as we close today, the other myth is that we've always had you know, a perfect family, that our kids were always just tremendous blessings and never did anything wrong. And Well, they, they didn't until they got to be teenagers. Then it was like... It was like what the heck? It's like the devil himself. <laughs> but in, uh, in, in the area of raising our family, yeah, it hasn't you know, always I, been easy. No. I, I, as parents, you all know, you do the best you can with the knowledge that you have. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like then you have to just trust that God, God's word is truth. You know, I know in, in situations in our, in, our, in our own personal family, raising your kids to love God and to, to serve God, and then they reach an age where they can make decisions on their own. And they can tell you what they want to do and what they don't want to do. And they have a right to do that because they no longer live in your home. So they can pretty much make their own decisions. Uh, but instead of like our natural tendency as parents is to look at ourselves and, and where did I go wrong? What did I do wrong? And, you know, what could I have done different? And, and that's okay to look at yourself for a moment, but you can't live in that. 
You can't live in the fear that the enemy wants to bring you. Like they'll, they're going to make decisions that are going to take them way too far gone. They're never going to return uh, to the things of God. And the temptation when the kids are going crazy is to, is to live in that. But man, the word of God works there too. The Bible does say, and I reminded God of this many times. It's God, you said if I brought them up in the way that they should go, that your promise is that they will love you and serve you all the days of their life. When they come to their right mind, they will love you and to serve you all the days of their life. I found other scriptures in the Bible. In Isaiah, it says, all my children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. Well, I just applied it to my kids. God, I say, all my children will be taught by the Lord. Great shall be the peace of my kids. They're going to be established in righteousness. They're going to be far from fear, far from oppression, for it can't come near them. And speaking the word of God, the word of God works speaking chaos into your situation instead of talking about the chaos speak god's word into the chaos that, that was a huge moment for us uh, man I, it's like i can feel it today because there was a moment with raising our children that it seemed like wow i thought we were perfect parents but there's no such thing as a perfect parent such a thing as a prideful parent <laughs> The truth is, is if your kids amount to anything, it's the, the grace and the mercy of God. It's the Thank grace you. and mercy of God that you amounted to anything. And so you can do all the right things and still fight these issues or do all the wrong things and not even fight these. It's just the mercy and the grace of God. And I can remember when we were having some struggles with, with our kids and it's like, well, this isn't supposed to happen to us. <laughs> we're the pastors. We're, we're the preachers. Like, who does that kid think he is, you know? And I can remember when this began to happen and, you know, they were getting older and it's like, okay, but, but, but we need some help. And I remember my wife saying this and I, it, changed the, it changed really the direction of our life. And we're, we're talking about speaking into that situation. She looked at me and I'll never forget where we were. We were on the landing of a, a stair, stair place there in our home. And she says, all I know all I know is that if I'll declare the word of God and if I'll seek God himself, this is what I know. Now, I can remember her, her eyes as big as saucer and her, her words having power and, 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 and anointing with them. She says, this is what I know. It will be well with us. Do you hear me? As long as we're praying, as long as we're seeking God, as long as we're declaring the word of God, this is what I know for our home, for our kids, for our family. It will be well for us. She didn't say a thing after that. I didn't say a thing after that. We went our ways, our way, and then we knew that was what we were locking into. And I, I wanted to close that, our service with that today because, because it'd be real easy in those moments where you feel like your kids are just going haywire and off the rails. It's so easy to say, what are you thinking? What were you thinking? You're a jerk. Why can't you be like them? Why can't you? What's going If you would just replace that doubt, that unbelief with words of faith, it will be well with my home. Declaring that over your life, I believe you'll see something different in your life. There's a there's a woman in the Bible that said the very thing. Her, 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 her baby, her son, her 10-year-old son had died. 
And this was a miracle child. They had been burying, and the prophet Elisha had come by their, their city often, and they had built a room there in 2 Kings chapter 4, so that any time that he would come by, he would stay with them. And, and so they had added onto their house, and so the prophet was like concerned about, well, what can I do for you? And he found out that they had no child, and he says, well, well about this time next year, you're going to have a son. And, and it happened just like you said. And then 10 years later, the little boy dies. And that woman takes that dead son and lays him on the bed of that room that they had built onto their home, on the bed where the prophet would sleep. And she, she lays her son there, and then she immediately goes to find the prophet. The prophet Elisha sees the woman coming. He sends out his servant Gehazi to go talk to the woman to make sure everything is fine. They detected that something was not right. And the servant, Gehazi, looked at the woman and says, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your son? And the woman said this, it is well. But listen, it wasn't well. Her child had just died. And that's where most of us would have just talked the what is. Most of us would have said, no, you don't know what's going on. My son has died. This is horrible. What a tragedy. She could have said that, and it would have been okay with it's what happened. But so many of us, we say that. We don't say it's well. We say things like this. Man, this is the hardest thing I've ever been through. This is the most difficult thing I've ever been through. But she chose, instead of saying what is, she chose to put faith-filled words in his, her mouth and declare it is well, I, I don't know. I don't know what your situation is, but talking the pain and the chaos of your situation will not change your situation. But what will change your situation is to put God's words in your mouth. And I would challenge you today to declare in every situation of your life, it is well. Over my finances, it is well. Over my family, it is well. Over my physical body, it is well. At all of our campuses, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And again, I've just asked them to sing this song just to reinforce this truth. And here's what I want you to do as you're listening to this song. Because I really believe there's application. I believe there's adjustments. I believe God is, is speaking to people today. Would you just be willing right where you're at as we, as we take this moment and, and let God do something great in our lives. Would you just open maybe your mouth and ask God, God, what, what, what do I need to do with what I've heard this morning in this message? How does this apply to me? Because for every person at every campus, it's going to apply differently, but God knows how it needs to apply to your life. Here, here's the end of that story with that woman that said it as well. God raised her son back to life. Whatever's dead in your life, God has resurrection power if you'll put it in your mouth. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.